Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see everybody. Um, man, was worship and communion just, oh, oh, it was so, so good. I'm excited to be at church. I hope you guys are excited to be here today. Um, I think that God has a really good word for us. And so uh, I'm going to jump in. To, we're going to start a new series called Love. It's going to be just a short series. Um, and I'll get into that in just a minute. Couple things that I want to bring up real fast. Um, I know DJ said this just to make sure everybody is aware. The 17th is a Saturday, so we're canceling Saturday night, but Sunday the 18th, we are having service. Um, so just be aware of that. We probably will be pretty packed in here because some of those Saturday night people will come in here, so you might want to come early. I'm just giving, we're not telling Saturday night people that. We're only telling Sunday morning people that. So I'm just letting you know, know that right now. So uh, on the 18th, two weekends from today. Um, uh, the second thing is, what is Tuesday? Selection day. Very much better than last night. You guys are good. All right. Hey, um, I just wanted to briefly mention this. I'm not, I, I'm not a, a super political uh, man. I don't get way involved into those things, but here's what I do know. We live in a country where we have the freedom to vote, and I want to encourage you to vote. Get out there and do it. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you cast your vote. Um, here's what I do know. Whether you're uh, a Democrat, a Republican, or an Independent, um, we all need Jesus. And so um, what I, here's, here's my heart. I pray that you would get that ballot, that you would look over it, you would pray over it, and that you would just pray um, what God would have you do, and that you would vote according to how your heart leads and how the Spirit leads you. And I want to encourage you. We live in a country where we get to do this out of the freedom that we have. And so don't take, um, don't take that for granted. Go out and do something. I, I was watching with my wife uh, this week the movie Lincoln. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Um, to be quite honest with you, it's a little slow. My wife fell asleep. Um, I, but it was interesting to me in the middle of that, and, and we forget this, I think, because of, of where we live today. Um, but they were actually remarking in that movie, can you imagine if a black man voted? And then he, and another guy, can you imagine if a woman voted? We live in a good place right now, yes? We have the freedom and we all get to speak our voice and we actually get to, um, you know, go out there and, and put our individual votes. And you know what? I believe this. If people listen to the Lord and will vote with what the Lord tells them to do, you know what? One vote at a time, we can make a change in this world. And so I want to just encourage you, go out, make sure that you uh, vote this week, make sure that your voice is heard in that area. And the final thing before I jump in is this. I did not know this, but Angela Rose, our uh, intercessory prayer pastor or prayer leader, uh, she actually brought this to our attention. Today is International Day, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. I didn't even know there was such a day. That's why we have her. Thank you very much. Um, but here's, uh, here's the truth. Again, we live in a free country and we take for granted the fact that we can all gather here and nobody was looking behind their back when they walked through the parking lot to come into this building uh, because we live in a great country and not everybody has that ability and some people are risking their life this weekend to worship God. And so I think praying for the persecuted church is a great thing to pray for. And so here's what we're doing. Wednesday night at seven o'clock, uh, we pray for a lot of things, but Wednesday night, um, we're gonna make one of the focuses uh, prayer for the persecuted, persecuted church. And so last week we talked about engaging with God and one of the great ways to engage with God is through prayer. And I wanna encourage you, Wednesday night, seven o'clock, come join us, be a part of it because uh, it is a great time. I've, man, I've just been getting so much through the prayer times. Um, so join us, be a part of that. And so if that really kind of rang true to your heart, come join us Wednesday night, seven o'clock. We'll be done by 8.30. Um, and again, we'll be praying specifically uh, for the persecuted church. And so, hey, I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna pray that, uh, I, here's what I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray that God would use me to communicate his heart to you. Um, I am super excited about this message, uh, but it's one of those things where my prayer, and I even uh, sent my staff a, an email, and I said, hey, would you guys pray for me that I would communicate God's heart um, in this message? Because I want I want you to receive what I got this week because it was just so good. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you use us to accomplish um, the things that you're doing here on earth. And God, I pray that you would use me right now. 
that you would come and speak through me, that you would give me your words and your direction. And God, as I speak, the words that come out of my mouth would penetrate into the hearts and to the lives of every person listening to me. And God, as I pray every week, um, God, change us. Help us to become different. When we walk out of here, help us to understand you a little bit more than we did when we came in. And God, that is our prayer. That is our hope. It's what we are expecting today. And we thank you for that in your name. And everybody said, Amen. As I mentioned, um, starting a, a series on love, okay? And if you've been at church for any length of time, I'm sure you've heard plenty about love. And so to be honest, I, I went before the Lord and I was just like, Lord, I mean, that's talk about a, a, a topic that's just taught over and over and over. Um, man, I, give me something, God, that will be fresh. Give me something that I can communicate that people will really leave and go, hey, this was good. I mean, it was so much different than, um, than anything else I've heard. And so I just was seeking the heart of the Lord and I started to just study, just go into uh, the Word of God, um, it just and you guys can do this at home. I I open a website, BibleHub.com, and I started to work, look up the word love, read different sections with love, looking up the meanings of love um, because. Um, there's the Greek words that English translate into love. And so I just started pouring over that, spent hours and hours of just searching that. And after I did that, um, I walked away from that study time a little discouraged because I was like, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to give. I, I don't know what, to, what you want me to share yet. And so normally when I get done with my study time on Wednesday, I can shoot out my, my notes to the staff and say, okay, I'm done. It's, it's good. And, you know, let me know what you think. Uh, but I wasn't able to do that. Come to Thursday and just pondering and praying through it. Um, and then Thursday night I studied again and all of a sudden all the pieces started to come together. And so that's what I'm going to try to share with you right now. I want you to understand before we get into how to love or... Um, the aspects or, you know, the different ways that we can love each other. I want you to understand the importance of love, okay? And so biblically, biblically, and, and I think some of you probably know this, but I need to make sure everybody's on the same page when it comes to this. Biblically, there are four different Greek words that in our Bible we translate into the word love, and it's important to understand this because um, I think you'll get it when I, when I say this. If I say I love pizza and I love Kim and it's the same word, I've got a problem. Uh, yes? And biblically, if you just read through this and you see the word love, you might get a little confused if you don't understand the actual Greek word that we are translating into love. And so I felt appropriate to break this apart a little bit for you. Um, there's four Greek words. The first one is eros. Eros is a sensual or romantic love. Okay? Eros. The next one is storge. S-T-O-R-G-E. By the way, if you want to follow along, you can go to Bible.com on the YouVersion app and you can follow along. All these are there. Or if you'd like me to email these, just email me and I'll email them to you. But storge, um, this is used very infrequently. I think it's only like two times in the Bible, two, maybe three times and, and, um, in the New Testament. And it's a, it's a family love, uh, parents with a child um, and siblings, brothers and sisters and how they would love each other. It's, it's a storge love, okay? Then the third one is phileia or phileo. And I'm sure you've probably heard this one a little bit more. It's used much more in the Bible. Um, we have a city called Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. And it's not speaking of a sibling love. It's actually speaking of uh, two brothers. I mean, Scott and I, brothers, and the, the, the fact that we are fond of one another, that, that we love each other. And if you pull it apart, it's brotherly love. It's deep friendship. It is a fondness, which by the way, um, this is the word that you would use for, I love pizza. I am fond of pizza. Anybody else fond of pizza? Only half of us. Okay, you, some of you are liars is what's happening right now. Um, <laughs> I'm fond of the car I drive. I'm fond of the house I live. That is the word when we say, I love my house. I love my car. Okay, it's phileo. It's a, a, a fondness love, okay? And then the fourth 
Greek word that is used in the Bible, and it's actually used in the Bible several times. Two hundred in the New Testament alone, two hundred and fifty-nine times. That's a lot. That's a lot of times that this word is used, and it's agape. And we translate that as love, and I know some of you have heard this, uh, but agape love, um, I found this definition, I thought this was good. Listen, the term defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. His immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is the divine love that comes from God. It is the divine love that comes from God. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. And I'm going to read that one more time just so it gets in there. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. For today's sake, I'm going to say that it is unmotivated, it's unselfish, and it's unconditional. Okay? There's no motivation to love this way. I'm not expecting anything in return. Okay? There is... Um, there's no conditions to this type of love that I'm giving. That's the agape love, okay? It's unconditional, unmotivated, unselfish. There's no selfishness in this love that the Bible translates into love, the agape that translates into love. Now, I just want to uh, see if I can paint a picture of how the world kind of sees the word love. I looked up, and you guys do this. Go home to this week, tonight, later on this week. Go to dictionary.com see if I'm telling the truth. If you go to dictionary.com, you're going to find 28 definitions for love. 28. There's 28 different line items. There's only one of those definitions that fit into the category of agape. I want to read you that one definition. It came as number 12 on the list of 28. And it says this, the benevolent affection of God for his creatures. Okay, the benevolent affection of God for his creatures, which I would say, okay, that fits into agape rather than phileo, storge, or eros. Um, but I thought this was interesting. It came right above number 13, which the definition for love there was the score for a tennis match. 15 love, 30 love, okay? That's right. We got to beat the tennis match score right there. Agape love right there. And number 14, here's the definition for number 14. A letter used to communicate, I'm sorry, a word used to communicate the letter L. In other words, C as in Charlie, B as in boy, L as in love. That's where agape love fit, right in there in regards to the world's definitions of that. Which I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm going to open it up to you guys right now. And uh, here's my question for you. If we were to go to downtown Castle Rock and find a group of people down there, and we were to ask them, hey, do me a favor. Define love for me. When I say, what is love? What does love have to do with it, you know? What is God? What does love got to do with it? All right, anyways, uh, if you had to define what love is, what do you think people downtown Castle Rock that don't know Jesus, what do you think they would say is a definition? What'd you say? Deep affection. Deep affection for another person. Okay. All right. Help me out. Phileo, eros, storge, or agape. Eros, maybe, or phileo. It actually could be storge as well, parent to a, a son, son to a or brother to a sister, that kind of thing. Depending on where it comes, the affection comes. But here's what's interesting. Nobody screamed out agape because, um, you know, the feeling affection uh, doesn't necessarily fit into an unconditional because feelings, um, they lead you astray, yes? And they, feelings are very self-motivated, to be quite honest with you. And you do things because of that. What's another definition? Yeah, Doug. Sex. Sex. All right. Uh, which love is that? Eros, okay. Hey, uh, by the way, if you tie, I, okay, well, let me just say it this way. Uh, husbands, understand that Eros love is different from agape love. Okay? I want you to hear that because I think we have a lot of marriages in this world that uh, get that confused. And if you don't have an unselfish love and you're just going from a physical Eros love, um, you're making a mistake there. And when you demand something like that, 
um, there that can cause controversy and cause problems in the middle of that. Okay, that's good. What's another definition? Help me out. Somebody would give. What is love? Charity. So kind of kind of giving giving something, doing that. I'm going to be charitable. What what love does that fit into? Phileo, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, I'm, I'm fond, because here's why we give a charity, because we're fond of this thing, okay? And so because I'm fond of this, I'm willing to put my money towards that, okay? So it's good. What's another, def- yes? Sacrificial love, meaning what? Willing to do something, willing to lay it down, okay? Now this one's gonna be a little tricky. Which one does that fit into? It depends. Why does it depend? Depends on the motivation. Because if you lay something down with there's no motivation, there's, it's completely unmotivated, unconditional, then I would say it was agape. But to be honest with you, let's just, let's be honest. Think about why you sacrificially give. A lot of times we do it because it makes us feel good. Or it makes us look good. Or we've done something wrong and to make it better, we will do something good. We counterbalance the wrong with this sacrifice, right? Okay, and then at that point, it's not agape anymore because there is motivation behind that. There are several definitions. Here's what's interesting. Um, You know, in this feedback time, um, I can kind of tell sometimes where a struggle is based on how quickly the responses come. I think we have a hard time defining love. I think we struggle a lot of times to define love. And now I'm telling you there's four different types of love. Oh my gosh, Dan, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Yes, Derek. Yeah, so if I paraphrase for people who watch it on, online and see if I make sure I get this right, it's difficult to explain it because when you say, hey, we're gonna go downtown and ask somebody, it's hard to put ourselves into their position. When, when we're trying to, and come from maybe even a position that God wants us to understand what love is. Is that fair? Okay, so let's talk about that. Thank you very much. Good transition. Nice segue into what I wanna talk about. So let's talk about love. Let's talk about um, agape, actually. Um, because I think that um, it is very important for us to understand what agape love is. And so I uh, just have two sections of scripture that I'm going to read from this morning, um, and I'm going to kind of go back and forth. I'm going to start in 1 John um, chapter 4. If you're following along, you want to pull out your Bibles, um, please do so. 1 John chapter 4. Now, here's what I want you to understand. John is um, he, he wrote the book of John, the gospel of John, and then he wrote three other books, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And um, John, <laughs> why am I going to, to what he wrote today? Because he um, was a disciple, first and foremost. Um, but here's something very interesting. Um, he was a disciple that he self-professed himself in the gospel of John as the one Jesus loved. How cool is that? Hey, you know what? Uh, there was all the disciples, and then there's me, the one Jesus loved. <laughs> By the way, agape. If you look it up, it's agape. Unconditional, unmotivated, unselfish. But he self several times. That's how he described himself. I'm the one that Jesus loved. He's the one in the, um, uh, the Last Supper where he's actually leaning on, laying on uh, the chest of Jesus. I mean, there was effect, There was great affection. There was great love between the two of them there. And so um, he writes about love many, many times. 259 times the word agape is used. In the book of 1 John chapter 4 from verse 7 to chapter 5 verse 3, in 18 verses, he uses agape 32 times. 
32 times. There was something he was trying to get us to understand. And I just don't know as a church if we have truly comprehended or truly grabbed hold of what God wants us to understand when it comes to agape love. And so I'm hoping, here's my heart, and this is why I was praying, God, help me to communicate your heart because I want you to get this. My hope, I'm just gonna give it away right now. My hope is at the end of today that you will think about the word love differently from now on. And that when somebody says, I love something, there'll be a filter in your head that makes you go, Eros, Storje, Phileo, Agape, which one? And then more importantly, what am I doing and how am I loving? Okay, and so I'm going to start 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, and it says this. Dear friends, dear friends, remember that, dear friends. I'm going to prove to you that you are friends to Jesus in, in just a little bit, but just remember, dear friends, this is you. Let us love one another. That's agape. Let us agape one another. Unmotivated unconditional, unselfish, one another. For love comes from God. Now here's something interesting. Love comes from God. What love comes from God? Agape love. Get this. Agape. He's trying to emphasize that this unselfish, unmotivated, unconditional love comes from God. Everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay, and so we've been taught this. We've been taught that God is love. And I want you to understand, God is love. It is an attribute of who he is. He is love. He is also holy. He is also faithful. He is also just. He is also full of grace and also full of mercy. But what I want you to understand is that one of his attributes is an unconditional love. And he wants us to get that. So here's my question to you. Can you agape love without having relationship with Jesus? No. I want you to get that. Because this verse, uh, Peter was talking to him and he's like, oh my gosh, this is great. Let me read seven again. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. And here was Peter's question. He's like, oh my gosh, this makes sense because there are people in the world today that are loving one another, but they don't have Jesus in them. And so they are phileoing, they're eros, they're storging one another, but they're not agape loving. And so that clears up this section of scripture right here because they can love, but not know God, Yes. But this unconditional love only comes when you get love inside of you, when you receive him. Now, we talked a few weeks back. When you ask Jesus into your heart, when you confess him as your Lord and Savior, you believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, then you are saved. And I'm gonna just quiz you again. You guys answered it so well last time. The Bible says we get the Holy Spirit deposited into us. And how much of him do we get? All. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the spirit, in other words, the attributes of him who we have all of, the very first one is agape. You have this love in you because you've asked Jesus into your heart. Okay, so then the, bad, the understanding then that I want you to get is there's a battle between being led from the love of the spirit and the love of the flesh or the love of the mind, will, and emotions in our soul. Yes? Okay, I know I got you thinking right now. Okay, well, it's gonna keep going, so here we go. All right, so I'm gonna flip over now to John. Jesus, I'm gonna go to John 15, the Gospel of John. Jesus, let me set this up real quick. Jesus has pulled the disciples together for what we know as the Last Supper. And he actually does something very interesting at this time. He actually washes the disciples' feet. Okay? And in the middle of that, in verse 13, or in chapter 13, you'll see, and you can read through this, study it on your own, but in one of the sections as he's talking to the disciples after washing their feet, um, he actually says this. 
hey, the world will know you by how you love. The world will know that you're my disciple by the love you have for one another. Uh, just real quick, how are we doing with this? Does the world look at the church and go, oh my gosh, they have such unconditional love for one another? Or do they look at the church and go, man, they're just as backbiting, they're just as conniving, they're just as relentless with one another as the world is with one another? Think about that. I would hope that the church would be a place that would have a better understanding and a better comprehension of what love is so that we could love one another that way so that the world then would be attracted to that and be drawn in. But they see us backbiting and stabbing each other and talking about each other. And where's that love? And yet this is the love that God wants us to understand. And so in chapter 15, I'm gonna pick up in verse nine. And again, um, very interesting, in the next eight verses, agape is used nine times. In this chapter, the word love is used 10 times. The word love is used 10 times. Nine of them are agape, and let me read them to you. As the Father has agaped me. Okay, so Jesus understood this. As my dad has loved me, this is what he says then, so I have loved you. God, the Father, has poured that love into my life, and so therefore, because of that, now I'm pouring that out to you. Grab a hold of this as I read this, because this is key to whether we agape love or not. You have to get God's love in order to give agape love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my agape. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Okay, listen, Jesus is saying, my command is this. This is his greatest desire for us. Love each other as I have loved you. Love, agape, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to, day, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Okay, I want to stop for a second. Church, greater love, greater love than this, no greater love than this, that a man would lay his life down for his friend. If you ever question whether you're a friend of God, I want you to understand Jesus laid his life down because he calls you friend. Don't ever doubt that. But here's, here's the truth. Well, let me, let me say this. You are God's friend. How does that sit in you? It should sit and make you smile and go, oh, that is so cool. But there is something in us that go, well, I'm not worthy of that. I can't be God's friend because of the way I spoke to my husband or my wife this week. Well, I can't be because of the things I did. There's no way that God would call me a friend. You know what? The Bible says, actually, he calls you friend. And not only does he call you friend, he died for you so that you could understand that. Well, that's good. Grab a hold of that. It goes on and says this. You are my friends. If you do what I command. What did he command? Love one another. Let me say that again. What did he command? Love one another. Unconditional unmotivated, unselfish. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name of the father, or if whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Okay, man, I don't know if I ever saw this, but he correlates our answered prayer with how we love one another. Oh, come on, that was good. He correlates the effectiveness of our prayers in how we love one another. How are we doing? And that love is that unconditional, unmotivated, unselfish love. In other words, I'm gonna love you just because God loved me and I don't need or want anything in return. That's a tough love. It's a tough love. 
But if I'm reading this correct, our prayers are hindered because we don't understand this and we're not actually loving one another the way that God wants us to love. And the reason we're not loving one another the way God wants us to love is because we're not receiving his love. We're not allowing his Holy Spirit to truly show us and truly reveal to us how madly and passionately in love he is with us. We come up with excuses of why not to receive God's love, yes? And church, I wanna just tell you, man, he died for it all. He died for what you did yesterday. He died for what you did today. He died for what you'll do tomorrow. He died for you so that you could have that freedom, so you could have that understanding, and so that you could live a little bit more from the love in your spirit today than you did yesterday. A little bit more tomorrow than you did today. But we have to, first and foremost, take this in. DJ brought up about the washing of the feet, something that he showed, uh, he and DJ, that do you know, Peter, he's washing the disciples' feet. Peter comes in, what are you doing? And Jesus said, washing the feet. And Peter goes, you will not wash my feet. Jesus says something very interesting. He says, unless I wash your feet, you will have nothing to do with me. Think about that for a second. I mean, this is, this is the same man that Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. And yet Peter still was hanging on. But in this particular case, if he didn't let Jesus wash his feet, Jesus says, then you and I have nothing to do with one another. Get this. I hope I'm communicating this right. Until we receive the true love of God and the fact that God wanted to serve us by sending his son Jesus, until you fully comprehend that and bring that in and say, thank you, God, for sending Jesus, I receive it completely. Until we pull that in, we can't give this agape love. We cannot get that. John is trying to get us to understand. Jesus, in this case right here, he's saying, hey, as I have been loved by you, Father, I poured it out. May they receive what I've poured out and may they give it to one another. And as we do that, whenever they ask something in my name, Dad, I know you're gonna give it to them. Oh, man, that's so good. Read chapter 14, 15, 16 of the Gospel of John this week. And just look at all the different times he says love and just see all the different ways and know that almost every single one of those are agape. But here's something interesting. The very next verse. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Verse 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. That word love, phileo. All these agapes. But then when he starts talking about the world love and how the world gives love, it's phileo. Because that's the way the world gives love. In church, I would submit this. We have come into a place as a church where we give eros, storge, and phileo love and we're not out there giving agape. You guys Okay. Why is understanding agape so important? It's so important because Jesus and John say, Jesus and John the disciple teach us that until we get this, people will not understand that we follow him. People will not get this. They will not understand the good news until we actually get it ourselves and then live from that place. And so here's what I wanna finish up with this morning, is I wanna read back to 1 John 4. I wanna read this next uh, 16 verses of those 18. I'm gonna pick up in verse nine. Verse end, eight ends this, because God is love. And then verse nine says this, this is how God showed his love among us. Again, agape. This is how God showed his unconditional love unmotivated, unselfish love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we agaped God, but that he agaped us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so agaped us, 
we also ought to agape one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we agape one another, God lives in us and his love, his agape is made complete in us. And get what, get what he's trying to say here. Listen, because of what Jesus has done, comprehend the magnitude of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Understand that all who sin fall short. Every sin that we do, missing the mark even just a little bit. Man, the wages of that sin is death. You and I, destined for hell. Get this. Because sometimes I think we live in such a blessed place. We live in such a wonderful, we already talked about what a free place we live in that we take for granted that, oh man, life is just okay. Life is just good. And you know what? I live a good person life. And man, we, we, we kind of actually move over on the pendulum swing into kind of the world's thinking, which man, I'm just trying to do my best and be the goodest, goodest person I can be. And what we don't realize is we've been saved from hell. Oh man, this is a lot stronger than last night. So for whoever needs to hear this, I want you to understand, man, don't take for granted what you've been saved from. And what John is trying to help us understand is, man, Jesus Christ, God so loved you that he sent Jesus to take that penalty and he was showing his agape love. Now, quick question for you. Does this, this agape love that he gave, is it just for those who've called on upon the name of the Lord? It's for every single person on this planet. Every human being he loved this way. Now get the picture of that. It means that he unconditionally gave this love. He wants them to turn to him. He wants people to go and say, oh man, thank you so much. But he's not forcing it. And he, man, <laughs> it's that unconditional love that he gave us. And this is what John is saying here. It's because of Jesus. And when we get this, we begin to understand how much he loves us and what we've been saved for. And because of that, then we begin to see people, not the way that our flesh sees them, but we begin to see people the way Jesus sees them. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also love, ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Again, a reminder. He's trying to get us to understand. Holy Spirit is in our life to help us understand this love. Holy Spirit helps us to understand how much he loves us. And Holy Spirit is in our life to help us know how to love one another with unconditional love. He gives us that. And so, church, I want to encourage you once again. I know I keep saying this over and over. And I will continue to do it over and over and over until we get it. And here's the truth. I'm still struggling. 25 years of being a Christian and I'm still being led by my flesh and not my spirit sometimes. Amen? Anybody else? And so we need to be told this. We need to be reminded because I want to come to a place where every decision I make is led by me going to the Holy Spirit and keeping him top of mind and saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying in this? What do you have for me in this? But a lot of times I go into my life and I go, hey, what does Dan want to do in this? What is Dan going to do in this? And we do it as we want to because we live in a world that is very self-reliant. It teaches, hey, do it on your own. You can do this by yourself. You don't need help. And everything the word of God is saying is you can't do anything by yourself. It's a paradoxical kingdom. And we got to get a hold of that and understand that it's the Holy Spirit that he gave to us that will help us to realize, man, it's not about what I can do on my own. It's about what the Holy Spirit wants me to do, what he's gonna do through me. If you wanna love unconditionally, man, let God come in and start telling you how to do it instead of letting yourself decide how you're gonna do this. Man, have you ever tried to love somebody? Oh, man, it's hard. Finishes by saying this. He has given us his spirit and we have seen 
and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Real quick, I know from time to time I'll get people to come in and go, I don't even know whether I'm saved. Hey, listen, if you can acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, then you are saved. Stop questioning that. Okay, that's what this says right here. It says, if anyone acknowledges Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so now we know and rely on the love God has for you. I would add, man, it's not just saying it, but it's believing it and living that love out. As John is trying to tell us to, then it goes on. God is love. Wherever love, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Okay, listen to this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Two more quick things and we'll be done. First one is this. If you want to know how you're doing in regards to this, where's your anxiety level? What's your worry level? Where's your fear level? First, this way. We have a perfect father that loves and cares for us. He's madly and passionately in love with us. So understand this. If there is an area in your life where there's anxiety, where there's worry, or where there's fear, it should be a litmus test to you that says, I am not allowing the perfect love of God into my life in this area. Get that. And maybe the prayer, instead of being, God, take this thing, this worry, this anxiety, this fear away from me, maybe the prayer should be, God, in this particular area, show me how you love me here. Show me what your love is for me in this particular thing. Because according to this, that perfect unconditional love, when we fully receive it, when we allow that in, it casts out all fear. It takes it away. Is this too much today? <laughs> just so much down low. I'm just, just sitting up here going, I had a whole week to prepare this and I, I can see it on your face. Oh my gosh. Forget that. The anxiety you have, the worry you have, the fear that you have. Man, ask Jesus to give you the love that he has for that particular area and that fear goes away. Anxiety, the worry goes away because perfect love casts out fear. And here's what I believe. There's certain areas where I know God loves me and I'm his favorite. But then there's certain areas of my life where I'm my favorite. And I'm not allowing that love to get, and you know what? It's those areas that I start to worry about, have anxiety about, and actually sometimes have fear about. Okay, so there's this way with the fear aspect. And this one uh, kind of came to me last night when I was teaching, but man, this one's good. You wanna know how you're doing? loving this way? Ask yourself this question, or if you're really bold, ask somebody who loves you, like your spouse, this question. Is anybody afraid of you? Do you cause anybody to be anxious? Do you cause anybody to have worry? Do you cause anybody to feel intimidated by you? Because if there's any of those things, you're not operating in agape. You're not operating agape because if they're feeling intimidated, then the love you're giving is not from an unconditional, unmotivated, unselfish place. Listen, church, I'm speaking to myself right now. I can't tell you how many times my wife tells me after a staff meeting, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said it that way. She goes, you wear your emotions on your sleeve and it just comes out your mouth. I don't ever, man, that's not my heart. And that's definitely not that unmerited, that, that unconditional love that's in my, it, my spirit. It's definitely not. It's from my flesh. It, it comes out. And you know what? There's been times where my kids are afraid to come talk to me because of the way that I'm going to say things to them. That means I'm not expressing agape well. You guys okay? That's, that's a powerful word. And it's a litmus test to how you're doing, but 
if you really want to grow, if you really want to challenge yourself, as we go through this series on love, as we start talking about what love is, and, and actually I'm going to do a week on what love isn't, because we live in a world that has gone the pendulum swing where it's just all about love and there's no truth. I'm going to talk about that. But before we get into that, we have to comprehend that God loves us and that we're supposed to live and love the way that God gave it to us. And a great litmus test is, where's your fear? Where's the anxiety? Where's the worry levels? Let that be a litmus test. All right, let me finish this and then we'll be done. John says, we love because he first loved us. Understand again, we can't do this until you receive it from him. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever, whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have, whom they have seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. It's not talking, church, about siblings. Though I want to submit to you, siblings need to be loved. I speak this from my own personal experience, man. There's, there's times um, where my brother and I just, we just rub and man, this has been convicting to me because I'm like, oh my gosh. I say I'm a Christian and I'm having a hard time even just connecting with my brother. Anybody else? And then there's the brother and sister that sits in this room right here. We've been talking about the importance of community, the importance of living life together, the importance of engaging not only with God but with one another. Um, how are you doing with that? Let's be a church that connects not out of phileo love, though phileo love is important, man. Brotherly love is good, and we're going to enhance and sharpen one another through that type of love. But do you know what? Agape love, where we're just serving one another unconditionally without any motivation, without any selfishness to that. When we do that as a church, first off, we're going to love being here. This is going to be an incredibly fun place to be. Because we are going to experience true love that God has for us. But then, the community around us, there's going to be something that begins to break. They're going to begin to see people that truly, genuinely love one another. And then they're going to be drawn into that. And they're going to know that we love Jesus Christ, not by anything that we say to them, but because how we love one another. Oh, well, that's good. Man, my hope and my heart is that you would understand there is an importance to understanding agape love. We need to comprehend what agape is versus phileo, storge, and eros. And we need to grab a hold of that and ask Jesus and ask Holy Spirit, help me to agape love more today than I did yesterday, more tomorrow than I did today. And God, by the end of this week, may I be five days better in agape love than I was on Sunday. And how do we do that? We can just keep it top of mind. And that's my prayer. That this message will have stirred something in your spirit and in your mind where you will go, okay, I want to love this way. Because Jesus said to. Because John, the disciple, showed how important it was. And so therefore, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep that top of mind in my life. Write love on your steering wheel. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe that's too bold. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on the mirror in the morning. Just remind yourself, hey, love from, love from the Father's love, not from the worldly love. Love from agape, not phileo, storge, or eros. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the fact that you so loved us that you gave your son on our behalf. You showed us, God, you showed us what this unconditional, unmotivated, unselfish love looks like. You showed it to us in that we being sinners, you still sent your son to die on our behalf to take our place. No greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. God, we thank you that you came. Jesus, we thank you that you came 
and died on our behalf so that we could experience this love. God, I pray for every person listening to me right now that you would give them a deep understanding, give them a revelation of how much you care for them, how much you love them, because until we get that revelation, we cannot love the way that you've asked us to love one another. And so God, give us a clear understanding of how you love us. God, you're not an angry God. You are not a God that punishes people. You are not a God that is just out to get us. God, when we get sick, when we have trials, it's not because you're trying to punish us. You still love us in the middle of those things. And we thank you for that, God. Help us to keep that top of mind. And as that fills our hearts and fills our spirit and fills our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, God, may that type of love flow and radiate out from us towards our family members, towards our church family, and towards the world that we live in. And God, we thank you for that. And now, God, I lift up the people in this room that maybe have never experienced this type of love. And if, if you're here this morning and you, for the very first time, heard that God loves you unconditionally and he's not looking for anything from you, he's not desiring anything, he's actually sent his son, Jesus, um, just so you could have a relationship with him. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Dan, that's me, I need, to, I need to ask this love. I need to invite Jesus into my heart. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Dan, pray for me, I would like to ask Jesus into my heart. Again, every head is bowed and eyes closed. Just lift your hand real quick so I can pray for you. Anybody in here this morning? Anybody at all? Yep, can I see you? Anyone else? Okay, listen, uh, the, person, the one person that raised their hand, I want you to understand this. God has actually ordained this service for you. It was a good message for people to hear, and it'll be beneficial for everyone who heard it. But for you, sir, it has changed the trajectory of your life, not just here on earth, but for eternity. And I want you to understand something. God doesn't want and he's not looking for you to all of a sudden become super spiritual and to do a bunch of religious things. He wants you to simply respond to the voice that you just responded to. That thing that made you lift your hand when I asked that question, that, that whisper that you thought or that you felt in your heart, that is the way that God will continue to communicate to you, and I want you to continue to listen and respond to that voice. And so I'm gonna pray for you right now, and if that's what you want, then just make it real between you and him. So Heavenly Father, I lift up this individual and maybe somebody that didn't raise their hand. God, I pray for these people that have said, I want Jesus to come into my life. God, I pray that you would make yourself real. You are a faithful God. Come and be faithful and show yourself true to them. And God, I pray that you would begin to touch their life, continue to speak to them, and and God, as they respond to that, God, I begin, God, I pray that you begin to reveal that love that you have for them and that you would just fill them up with that love. And Lord, we thank you. And with the angels in heaven, we rejoice for this individual. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give